It's noon here in Ventnor City, New Jersey, and our nation's capital, Washington, D.C., and this is news that you can use from Car Edge for, well, Monday, January 22nd with your hosts, me, freezing, me, Ray, actually, me, you could call me Ray, freezing my ass off in Ventnor, New Jersey, and my lovely son, Zach. How are you today, handsome? I'm doing great uh, because every once in a while, Dad, I don't have to come up with the hyperbolic headlines. Uh, the CEOs of these companies that we call out from time to time, they help me out with it. This is yeah. straight from the horse's mouth, gang. Yeah. Stellantis warns of, quote, bloodbath from EV price cuts as Ford chops F-150 lightning output. For those of you who are new to our channel, my dad and I, okay, me, we cover the automotive industry. We do it on behalf of our, our business, our company, Car Edge. We help people buy cars. We actually sell cars. It's an incredible thing. Last week, we talked ad nauseum about automakers, Ford, for example, choosing to cut back production of their F-150 Lightning, which last time I checked a year ago had 200,000 orders, yet now they're going to sell maybe, I don't know, not, definitely not 200,000. They're pulling back production. Dad, uh, the CEO of Stellantis, Carlos, I don't know. Tavares. Tavares, thank you. Yes. Literally came out and said that overproduction of vehicles and price cuts on those vehicles would lead to a bloodbath, one that he says other operators, other CEOs of automakers are not prepared for. I didn't come up with the headline today, guys. Carlos <laughs> Tavares, the CEO of Stellantis, the company that has the most oversupplied inventory in the United States of America, is literally out there saying oversupply and cutting prices could lead to a bloodbath and a race to the bottom. What'd you make of this when you saw it? Well, when it comes to EV prices, he's 100% correct. Uh, you know, he's he's a little bit mad at, at, at Tesla because, uh, you know, they their profit margins are higher than any other manufacturer's profit margins. And uh, Tesla's been cutting their prices in order to maintain market share and spur sales. And, well, that means that, that Carlos and, and Farley and... Mary Barra, they all have to, well, lower their prices in order to be able to be competitive. And as he said, there's no damn profit margin in these things to begin with. So, yeah, it, it it's going to be a bloodbath for them. And, and, you know, do we really want to play in that sandbox? Well, it's not like you have a choice, Carlos. <laughs> it's super interesting, though, for him to be saying bloodbath and there's not margins to be made. There's a great article on WolfStreet.com, and it's all about the disappointment within the auto industry right now from the automaker's perspective. And the reason I say it's hard to believe that there's not profit margin is because this is a chart yeah. that shows you a Ford F-150 XLT versus a Toyota Camry LE, their base MSRPs, excluding destination and delivery charges, from 1990. Yes. To date. Okay. So Ford, one of these companies that supposedly doesn't make money on their EVs. Yes. I know. I'm talking about an F-150 XLT, not the EV variant. Ford has jacked up their prices like crazy. If I'm not mistaken, they've also jacked up the prices of the F-150 Lightning multiple times since it yes. was originally pleased. Obviously, Stellantis has yet to come out with a real mainstream, especially on the pickup truck segment, electric vehicle, I guess you could call. No, I don't even know what they have in the United States from an EV standpoint. And then you look at operators like Toyota who have taken a hard, we are not going all in on EV standpoint. We are committed to battery uh, hybrid electric. Um, Dad, look at the Camry price. It's barely gone up relative to the F-150. So it's hard for me to believe Carlos Tavares when he's saying the prices, you know, they're just, they can't go any lower because we don't make any money. These are the same automakers that have done car price inflation. They've increased yeah, but, their prices like crazy. 
But he didn't say that they weren't making money on ICE vehicles. He said they're not making money on EVs. Okay. Yeah. And and they have, and you can look at that chart, and that chart, there's there's no stronger reference point for this statement. Those manufacturers are utilizing ICE vehicles to underwrite and the profits on the ICE vehicles to underwrite the expense of going into the EV business. Hence, you see Ford's F-150 price skyrocket, okay, why the Toyota remained relatively flat in comparison. Well, Toyota hasn't made the big leap into EVs. They haven't needed that extra money. They haven't inflated the values of their vehicles in order to give them the profit margins to underwrite EVs. So, yeah, yeah, he, he, Carlos is correct. They're, they're going to take, they'll all take it in the shorts on the EV business. Okay. At the same exact time. It, yeah. At the same exact time, they're sticking it to the public on their ICE vehicles. That's what that shows. <laughs> and as their sales are going down, Stellantis sales are down 33% since 2015. You know, they had a high water mark of 2.26 million vehicles delivered, both retail and fleet, down to 1.53 million last year. And we know that yes. they are the ones that over the last five years increased their MSRPs by 50%. Yes. Bloodbath, I don't even know if is, is the is appropriate term. Like, this is chaos, man. Chaos for some of these legacy automakers who are trying to make this transition, can't make money on it, need to jack up the prices of their other vehicles where they do make money, all the while... Toyota, because there was a comment in the chat that came through from Stephen Bloodbath. What Bloodbath are you talking about? I went to a Toyota dealer to get a Forerunner, and they're charging me $1,000 over their online advertised price. Toyota, on the other hand, they don't have enough cars. They have not gone hard on electric vehicle. Does anyone even remember what the Toyota battery electric vehicle is called? Because last time I checked, the wheels fell off the doggone <laughs> thing. That's how little interest they had in it. There was a recall for the wheels falling off. So it's like totally different strategies leading to a very, very hyperbolic headline this morning from the CEO of Stellantis, not of one of the units in North America, right? like literally the CEO of the entire conglomerate saying there will be a bloodbath as production gets pulled back and prices are getting slashed on electric vehicles. And when you read the article, it, you know, Stellantis is uh, very successful in Europe with EV sales. Um, yeah. You know, they have brands in Europe that are doing very, very well with EVs. They haven't brought that same technology to the United States yet because they realize that it cannot be profitable at this particular point in time. Um, so we'll see what happens. Um, what was what was what did what did Justice Justice's comment? I think is pretty spot on. Lowell, talk about a spin. We have to raise our prices and be greedy because of electric vehicles. Okay, yes. just because of, like it's it's. Nonsense at these corporations and a lot of strategic missteps, I think, is what are showing up in growing inventory levels, frustrated dealers, frustrated customers. And ultimately, it's going to end up costing them even more dead. We, we talked about it last week. Incentive spend at automakers like Stellantis is, Stellantis is through the roof yes. compared to, Ford, you know, uh, not compared to Ford, compared to Toyota, Honda, et cetera. So what a crazy headline to wake up to this morning. Yeah, I, I found that article to be very interesting. He he doesn't want to be, he doesn't think that the manuf... Basically, I think what he's saying, if I can boil it down, is he's, is he's saying, let's agree to price fixing, not go crazy and lower the prices because 
it'll all it'll cost us all way too much much money if we do that. Um, so this is his way of suggesting to all the others that, well, the hell with Tesla. We can't compete with them anyway. Let's keep our prices where we can make at least something and 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 not join into that fiasco of trying to compete strictly on price. Um, now, whether or not the other leaders will follow suit, I don't know. But you, I mean, we know that, for instance, Ford is cutting back production of the Lightning. You know, the, the Lightning vehicle, like the, the second it was announced as a $39,000 electric pickup truck, you know, there, the, the second that production opened up that you could leave it, there, there were like 43 million orders. Okay. Maybe that's 200,000. They got up to 200,000. Yeah. I was going to say maybe the 43 million numbers a tad bit exaggerated. Okay. But they were touting how quickly people were stepping up to order these vehicles. They, they couldn't produce anywhere near the number of orders they had now that they can actually produce some of them nobody seems to want them i don't know because the price has gone up so much um and and ford even though they're cutting back production on the truck that nobody seems to want although they say no sales are up but we're cutting back you know none of that makes sense you don't cut back production on something that sales are up but they're cutting back production on the vehicle that has sales up um, and in the meantime, they, they raised the price another $10,000. Um, it is the most ridiculous concept I have ever heard of, you know, and what, what happened to those other 150,000 people that placed an order that never got their truck? Um, you know, that, that, uh, well, probably never wanted to get the truck, but what, what happened to those 200,000 orders? It wasn't like they built 200,000 Lightnings. What have they sold? 50,000, 60,000 of them since they first came out with them? You're high it's, on that. I think last year's deliveries were 25,000, something like that. But don't quote me on that. Maybe that was quarterly, but I'm pretty sure it's not that high. And then, Dad, to, your, to answer your question, Todd says it right here. I put a pre-order in on the Lightning, canceled it when they raised the price a ridiculous amount. And I think there's a great comment here in the chat from VG. Yes. Everyone wants the Maverick. Damn right. People yeah. want affordable vehicle options, which is, for those of you that are unfamiliar, going to lead me to the first promotion in today's show. We got the Chevy Trax, gang. You can now buy your next vehicle through Car Edge. I don't know how I enunciated that, Car Edge. Anyway, we've got a deal on the Chevy Trax. Of course, we'll show you the out-the-door price, but just for marketing simplicity, under $400 a month on a lease or a finance on a Chevy Trax, free shipping to your door east of the Mississippi, west of the Mississippi, We'll split the shipping cost 50-50 with you. Buy your next car through CarEdge. Skip the dealership. Do it through us. We also have some remaining 2023 Mazda, Mazda 3s that we're trying to get rid of. Super, super deep discounts there. Please go take a peek at those. Affordable options. Dad. That's why the Maverick comment and I think the Chevy Trax promo are spot on. Look at what's going on. People want affordable options. Automakers, to tie back to uh, Carlos Tavares' initial comment about uh, cutting price, automakers don't want to see their profit margins get compressed even more, yet the demand is there if the price is right. Yes, and the demand, the demand is never as great for the base model vehicles as one would expect. You know, having spent 43 years in retail automotive, 
you know, I, I, I realized that some of the cars that we got stuck with every year were the base based vehicles. And, and it's because, because everybody in America is, is conditioned to believe that, well, you, you can't just get by with the base. You need more than that. I mean, what are you saying to your friends and family if they see you driving a base vehicle? So, but I, I will also tell you when I was at the mini store and I would, and I would order base Coopers, base Cooper hardtops, uh, no grass grew under those tires. I mean, we sold those vehicles quickly. Uh, yeah. It, it, and, you know, we talk about this statistic every week when 83% of the American public says they can't afford to buy a new car. They're too expensive. And only 10% of all cars that are offered in this country are offered at a price point under $30,000, very few under $20,000. They, they've just raised the prices so much that they have that they have forced people who want to buy cars out of the market. And they've made sure that there aren't enough of the cheaper vehicles, the under $30,000 vehicles. They made sure there aren't enough of those so that the people who want them can't always find them. And so they find themselves out of the market. Uh, it is, it, there is a time in, for all manufacturers to sit back and perhaps listen to the consumers and to what consumers want, as opposed to the times when they sit there and they, they're going to tell you what you should want. You know, we see the comments all the time. There are people out there that would be perfectly happy if you had to roll your own windows, you roll them up, you roll them down. Okay. There are people that don't want all the technology. Now, part of the problem with the technology is, most of it is mandated by the government. It's not that the manufacturers are doing it out of the goodness of their heart. They're doing it out of the fact that the government says it's available. You better put it in the damn car. It's required. But yeah. that doesn't mean that every car has to have a leather interior. That doesn't mean every car has to have a moonroof. That doesn't mean every car has to have cruise control or automatic climate control. It, you know, there are things that they can cut back on that would help bring the cost of the vehicles down. And as much as they don't think the public would buy them, they will, because it's the only thing 83% of the population can afford. Totally. And again, to tie it back for those of you that are joining just now in the show, the reason we went with the title of Bloodbath is because as the industry is using uh, overpriced internal combustion engine vehicle sales to underwrite the transition to electric vehicles, you have the CEO of one of the most valuable automakers, Stellantis, coming out and saying this will cause a bloodbath and a race to the bottom on price, which theoretically would be great for us, you know, us being people who want affordable options, um, and would be bad, obviously, for those automakers who are looking for high profits. Go for it. And then we got to acknowledge a thoughtful chat contribution that came in much well, earlier I, in the show. I, I was going to say it would only be good for us if they didn't start the race to the bottom from such a high price point to begin with. Okay. If, if, if you're going to start the race to the bottom with a $90,000 price point, as opposed to, I don't know, a $30,000 price point. 
that race to the bottom isn't helping anybody but the 17% of the population that still feels as if they can buy a new car. The 83% of the population that doesn't, well, they're, they're thinking, okay, if there's a race to the bottom, let's say they take 20%, that's 18000 it's a $72,000 vehicle. That's still three times more than what they can afford. So, yeah, you, you, you'd say that, that race to the bottom is going to help people. It's going to help the people that can already afford to buy a car. It's not going to help the people that can't. Last time I checked, there's no such thing as an unsold new car. So the race to the bottom will get very, very low because prices have to go down to meet demand. If demand's not there at these uh, very exorbitant price points, then the price has to come down. And I expect we will continue to see more of that. There's a reason CarEdge.com looks like a giant promo for the Chevy Trax right now. It's affordable. People want that. I think that's the future. Dad, let's come here from from Mark. This was incredibly thoughtful earlier in the show. Mark, thank you. Mark says, hello, Car Edge team. I give you a gift since your teachings have given me negotiating prowess in purchasing a used 2017 Sonata hybrid plug-in, of which I am very happy and saved almost $2,500 thanks to Car Edge. Thank you for that, Mark. We really, really appreciate it. We, we truly do, and we're so glad that, A, you've been a part of this journey for as long as you have, and B, that we could have helped in some small way to, to well, make you feel more comfortable and more confident when it came to negotiating with the dealer. Had an awesome moment yesterday at the Pittsburgh International Airport. Met one of our community members, Dad. Unfortunately, his uh, vehicle was totaled. He found us on YouTube, and he ended up getting a great deal by negotiating the -the out-the-door price. Uh, Really awesome moment yesterday at the airport. We love knowing that the impact of the work that we do um, really puts a smile on my face, and I know it does for my dad as well. I want to come here to Mike's comment, which was, so are those of us who want internal combustion engine vehicles screwed I actually think that as inventories continue to grow, whether it's ICE inventories or electric inventories, um, that's a great sign for for a buyer's market. Continued incentives for manufacturers, downward pressure uh, on pricing from dealers. So I would say internal combustion engine shoppers are not screwed. If anything, like it's a it's a January is a buyer's market. I bet you February next month's a great month to buy a car because dealers are going to be so slow. It is ICE. Ice buyers will be screwed. I don't know, 2035. <laughs> okay. When nobody offers them anymore. But until that point, if, if what the manufacturers have to sell that people still want to buy and that have some type of profit margin built into them is ice vehicles. Well, you're not going to be screwed. You're going to be able to get incentives for for them to move them. I mean, like we, we just said, they, they're starting at such a high price point um, that that race to the bottom, they can afford that. Was Ford offering 1.9% financing for 72 months on F-150s at the end of last year? Um, I think so, weren't they? No, no, they didn't have a 1.9% financing for 72 months nationwide. In December, when we now. tell everyone the best time to buy a new car or truck is at the end of the year. No, they didn't. What do they have now? A 1.9% APR financing for 72 months all the way through March because they know they have an oversupply of inventory. So automakers are being responsive. Dealers are being responsive. I actually think it's a great buyer's market for vehicles that are sitting. You can go get yourself a hell Musk of a deal. Has, has what, 0% up to 60 months on certain models? Um, yeah. 0%. You know, I don't even need a car, and I'm thinking about getting a Mazda. It's it, and it's like 
And and you know me, I wouldn't put a dime down. And the reason I wouldn't put a dime down, why would I want to put money down? I'm borrowing money. It doesn't cost me a penny to borrow it. I'm just going to pay it back with cheaper dollars every month because of inflation. I, I mean, I am sitting here thinking to myself, I got to get in touch with you so that you can put a deal together for me with Joe. Um, it's pretty wild, man. So again, like to that question from our community member, am I screwed because I want to buy an internal combustion engine card? No, this no. year is going to be a great year for people who are looking for deals. All right, dad, I know it's early, but I want to go here. Can you hit me with an ad lib? Really? You've got to be kidding me. All right, folks, we got three good ones today. First one, Dad, Carvana won't take occupancy of new Tempe, Arizona office uh, campus under construction. Now, this in its own right would not be a really you got to be kidding me. The yeah. really you got to be kidding me comes when you read the first line, Dad. The campus is being developed by Verde Investments, which is owned by Valley businessman Ernest Garcia II, the biggest shareholder of Carvana <laughs> and the wealthiest person in the state. Folks. The self-dealing within these corporations is incredible. <laughs> and obviously, Carvana is actually not going into that space, but it's just wild, man, how these corporations work. What? The person who owns the most of Carvana <laughs> also owns the real estate development company who builds the building, the rent it to Carvana, which you used to experience at Penske, didn't you? Well, yeah. I mean, you know, they built that that the campus in North Scottsdale. And then right before we opened, he turned around and he sold the damn thing to a real estate investment trust, which I'm pretty sure he was uh, an investor in or that he owned. Um, and then he leased uh, all the stores back and, and collected rent. Um, so, yeah, there. but but I'm curious as to, well, is he as the largest shareholder of Carvana? Is, is he going to turn around and sue Carvana <laughs> to get them to? to take that office space or get some type of compensation because they're backing out of the deal. Um, just asking, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised, um, you know, because I, I'm pretty sure he must've figured when he started putting this whole deal together, it was based on a handshake with his son in good faith. Uh, <laughs> in his opinion, folks, let's move opinion, on to the next I one. I have no idea. I, I wasn't there. But I, I can only imagine the family dinner when they when they concocted this this idea. <laughs> because exactly. because the head of Carvana is is Ernie Garcia Jr. Okay. Um happens to be the son of Ernie Garcia, the richest person in Arizona. <laughs> There's levels to this stuff, Pops. We got yeah. places to go and deals to get done. You and I, it's like who's trading off buying for dinner in that family? It's Hey, Dad, yeah. I want to build this building. Oh, okay. we can. It's incredible, man. Levels to this stuff. All right. The other really, you got to be kidding me. We got two more. One is this one, Dad. I know you're proud <laughs> to see back your ZDX coming back. Yes. The resurrection of the ZDX, which is, if I'm not mistaken, your punching bag on this show. It'll be a $65,000 electric vehicle. What do you think? Is the ZDX going to flop more this time than it did last time, or will it do better? Um. You, you know, it seems to be for a luxury, a lu you know, or near luxury uh, EV, it seems to be almost reasonably priced uh, compared to its competition, say at BMW or Audi or Mercedes Benz, because we were at a Mercedes dealership, you know. So um, will it flop? I, the one thing I know for sure, just looking at it, it'll be easier for people to get in the backseat of this version 
than of the original version. Um, you know, it wasn't a popular nameplate to begin with. If, if, if you know, if they wanted to make, it's almost as if hmm. if they if they wanted to stir real interest in their first EV, you'd call it the legend. You'd bring back the legend name, you know, because when Acura first started, the legend was extremely popular. Yeah, um, yeah, and 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 people actually thought that was the brand. Um, you know, they didn't realize it was that, but you, you could bring back the legend and at least that would stir some excitement and some um, emotion for, for buyers out there to bring back the ZDX, which was a vehicle that when they came out with it, nobody bought it. And so they said to the dealers, put every last one of them into your service loaner fleet. Make sure you give them out every day. Maybe we can find a sucker or two that'll want to buy one after they drive it for a service loaner. I mean, it was just, it, it, you know, I, I often talk about the, the, it was the answer to the question nobody ever asked. What kind of vehicle could we come out with, okay, um, that's big and brawny and yet virtually impossible to get anybody into the back seat? It, it was... In one review, it was described as human origami trying to get into the back seat. There was no headroom. Um, yeah, it'll probably flop. Yeah. I think you'd get a kick out of seeing that nameplate come back, Pops. We got one more, and it's a good one, so stick around for that. Again, want to remind everyone, back on CarEdge.com, that's the business my dad and I own and operate behind the scenes if you are buying a chevy a gm a ford f-150 a mazda um that's like most of the brands oh uh, a ram you can buy on car edge gang so please this is the new initiative for 2024 please go ahead skip the dealership work with our team and instead last but not least dad yes one reason you might want to skip the dealership we had not covered the mac hayek dodge incident Okay. No, had you read had about not. this already, Dad? I, I no, I'm not even that familiar with it. I although people send me stuff, I I, I, I read it to me. All right. So here's the deal: we had not covered this because I wanted to see what the outcome was going to be before we brought it up. Okay. On any of our channels, Dodge dealer fires employees who screwed Soldier out of a Challenger SRT Demon 170. The high level here, Dad. Ultimately, the general manager, sales manager, and salesperson at this dealership all got fired over yeah. this incident. What happened was a uh, soldier, an active duty soldier, put down a deposit on yeah. a SRT uh, 170, the, the um, SRT Demon 170, which is a very limited production, rare vehicle. This customer agreed, while well, it was being produced, to pay $50,000 over sticker for this vehicle. Place wow. the order. Yeah, he gets called called into 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 service. He's away. Yes, they get another customer at the dealership who will pay more than fifty thousand dollars over sticker. Vehicle arrives, they sell the vehicle out from under him. Yes, this ends up getting a lot of press for yeah. very good reasons, right? Probably like, not good soldier. press. Not good press at all. <laughs> soldier, don't do yeah. that to to people yeah. who serve our country. Additional dealer markup, greed, but. The customer who actually bought the vehicle for more than $50,000 over sticker actually, once all the press came out about this, said he would give it back. He didn't yeah. want to be involved in this. This was not his intent. 
But ultimately what happened here, Dad, is the Dodge North America CEO got involved. They got a new allocation for this customer. And the resolution from the dealership was a statement that was posted over on Facebook yes. just the other day. We are donating. So, so they, they got a car from Dodge Corporate for the customer. The other customer who bought the thing way over sticker also has their car. Mac Hayek now in Flowood, um, Mississippi, is donating a car. So they're going to be, they got one, another one that matched the customer's original specifications. They're going to be yeah. donating it, doing an auction that involves Jay Leno. So they're really trying to play this thing up. Sure. And in this post, Dad, they also acknowledge the fact that the general manager of the dealership, the sales manager, and the salesperson yes. have all been relieved of their duties. Craziness, wow. man. You know, that reminds me, if I may, personal story, reminds me of a day I, I it was a Tuesday. I was off on Tuesdays when I was in the business. I come to work on Wednesday morning, and the finance manager grabs me as soon as I walk into the dealership, and he goes, we got a problem. I go, what kind of problem? He goes, well, there was a clubman on the showroom yesterday. We took a deposit on it yesterday morning. I gave a uh, a buyer's order to the uh, to the buyer the woman who was buying it so she could take it to her credit union so she could get the check to come in today to pick up the vehicle and she said, what's the problem he says oh well they sold the car to somebody else last night i said what do you mean they sold the car to somebody else last night there was only one sales manager here he knew he took it to pause he says yeah he knew what he did but but the, he had a customer there ready to go home in the car so he sold him the car um so I, being the sales manager that was there that day, I had to call the customer and say, oh, my God, I don't know how it happened. All I know is it did happen. Um, we somehow sold your car last night. I'm, I'm, I'm going to start looking nationwide to see if I can find the exact car for you so I can bring it in here at um, whatever expense it is to me. And, you know, we didn't wait for it to get public. Uh, the owners came in and we talked about the situation and they asked the sales manager who did it the day before to come in and they summarily fired him the instant he got there because you can't take a deposit from a customer on a vehicle in the morning and sell it to some other customer that night because you'd like to say to the owner, well, I delivered a car today. Okay. The deposit when you take a deposit from a customer, there is only one party that is committed to holding that car. That's the dealership. Yeah. Okay. The dealership has agreed that they will hold that car. Now, I know when, when we were at that dealership, you had 72 hours from the time you left us a deposit on an in-stock car to take delivery of the car. We gave you three days to make whatever arrangements you needed to make. That meant we would hold on to that car for three days. After the three days, it's fair game. We could give you your money back. Not after eight hours. Um, so I feel bad for the soldier, okay? Plus, I feel good for the soldier because Dodge got involved. Um, I, I would almost tell you I feel bad for the dealer, but I don't because stuff like that typically goes on it's probably not the first time something like that happened at the dealership. It's just the first time they got caught and they got bad publicity, more than likely, in my opinion. Um, and if I yes, may, Jed, yes, I just want to throw one thing. 
part of what also I just want to be transparent with the community. Part of the reason I didn't want to talk about this story until there was a resolution is because we have received countless threats, legal action from yes. dealer groups before. And it scares the poop out of me because I don't want to get sued. I'm trying to build a business here with my dad, try and change an industry. I don't want to get sued. And so I waited until we had yes. a resolution here that we could talk about in public because we get hit so often with letters in the mail of take this video down or you said that. That's why we, that's why I, I get made fun of on the, yeah. in the comments about telling my dad to say in his opinion, but like that's what the lawyers tell us to do. So we're doing it now because we're not trying to start a fight. We're trying to hold people accountable because this stuff goes on all the time. So sorry to interject there, but I'm yeah. glad this one got press and I'm sorry that we didn't cover it first. I'm just a little bit of a nervous Nelly recently because I don't want to get sued. It's not, I don't want to get sued, man. I don't know. And it makes perfect sense to not want to get sued. And, it, and, and to just finish up, it makes perfect sense that the GM was let go, that the salesperson was let go and that the sales manager was let go. And, and, and I'm, and I don't even know that it makes perfect sense for the salesperson to be let go because if it wasn't the salesperson that took the original deposit, that sold it to somebody. It could have been two different salespeople for all we know. I don't know that, but yeah. it, you know, the sales manager would know the general sales manager would know if they have one at that dealership and the GM would definitely know. And there, there is no good excuse that a dealership can come up with when they do something like that. Well, we, you know, but the other guy was willing to pay more. Who cares? Look what this cost you in bad public publicity. Um, yeah. you know, I, I, if I were a customer in, in Mississippi and I needed a CDJR, I know one dealership I would never go to. I would not feel comfortable doing business with a dealership where something like this had gone on. So, you know, fifty thousand over is plenty. If somebody wanted to pay you seventy five thousand or a hundred thousand over, you don't sell it out from some from the first person. You know, whether he's a soldier or not, you, you just you live up to your obligations. It, it yeah. shouldn't be all that hard. Completely agree, pops. I'm reading the comments as they're coming through in the chat. We'll save that for a future conversation. Again, reminding everyone, CarEdge.com. That's our website. We are running our end of month promotion as well on uh, vehicle service contracts. So if you're interested in those, we have a $100 discount going right now. When folks purchase things through CarEdge.com, that keeps us and for those of you that are attacking me for not having a spine and wanting to you know, uh, not get sued, the 35 plus people that now work at CarEdge. So I'm also yes. trying to defend making sure that we make payroll and that I'm not having to distract <laughs> them. So please, if I'm trying to be you know, walk that fine line. Don't worry. My dad is not, he'll be the truth teller until, until the last day he's, he's going to hold me accountable, hold us accountable. But again, back at CarEdge.com, That's our website. That's what we have to offer. Thank you for the fun show, dad. Thank you everyone for, you know, sticking with us here. Um, really, really, really enjoyed this today. And I look forward to doing it again tomorrow. We'll talk about the used car market tomorrow. Mannheim data, black book data should be a good time. It should be uh, it should be a date for data. Or, or it data. Should be a date for data. Yeah, data date. A data date tomorrow, noon Eastern, nine Pacific. Thank you, everybody, for being here today. We'll see you back here tomorrow.